Welcome back, everybody, to our Let's Talk Green County program presented today by Fouch Agri-Service in downtown Grand Junction. This is Coltrane Carlson, and our guest today is our state senator, Jesse Green, joining us once again. So thank you very much, sir, for coming on. Hey, it's uh, always good to be with you. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the newest, latest, and greatest numbers from the Revenue Estimating Conference. They recently met here in March, and this is kind of the the big one, as it were, because it's the one that kind of drives how you are potentially going to be setting up the the state budget. Can you kind of give us the the rundown of what those newest estimating numbers are and how that's going to kind of impact how you set up that budget? Yeah, you bet. Well, more good news came out of uh, Iowa's budget situation and and it seems like uh, the Revenue Estimating Committee, uh, they, they always give us good conservative numbers to do our budgeting off of. And every single time, our revenues usually go up $100 million, $200 million, sometimes $300 million with their reports. And, and so with the, the newest report in fiscal year 23, we're up $135 million from our estimates from December. So in December, if I remember right, uh, we were up $300 million from the estimates prior to that. So uh, things are looking good in the state of Iowa. Our total revenue for fiscal year 23 is going to be about $9.7 billion. When you take into account the tax cuts that have been enacted and stuff like that, that's only a half a percent less than a year ago. So every barometer we're using to make our budgets is, is looking fantastic. So I'm excited about that. I am on the Appropriations Committee, so we will be starting to ramp things up in that committee here pretty quick now that we have these numbers. For fiscal year 24, it looks like our revenue is going to be about $9.6 billion. So uh, again, it's uh, I think that was only up about $30 million from previous estimates. So pretty steady there. So Things are looking good in Iowa. Everybody always forgets that, oh, yeah, you have to set up the state budget because, my gosh, there's been so much work that's been done throughout the entire legislative session, kind of grabbing the spotlight here and there. And a a couple of them have to deal with public schools, at least from the Senate side, passing bills over to the House. And one of those that the Senate recently uh, approved and sent over to the House is dealing with minors and gender-affirming treatment outlaws minors from having any kind of treatment of any kind for gender-affirming. I just wanted to know, uh, originally, your thoughts on this particular piece of legislation and and how you voted on that. You know, this was a very uh, sensitive topic, obviously, and uh, lots of uh, emotions behind this topic. But the thing is that in the state of Iowa, we're, we're seeing a very big increase uh, when it comes to children that are wrestling with gender dysphoria or identity issues. And because of that, uh, you're seeing a big uptick in transitioning surgeries or puberty blockers, hormone therapy type things. And and the thing is, is like these are things that are not FDA approved. They don't do clinical studies on this. And, and so there's just so much unknowns about uh, what the long-term consequences are. And so there are a few other countries where we can look to for studies that have studied this for a long time. In Sweden, for example, they've since the 1980s, they've done some pretty in-depth studies. And, and it's shown that, that the community that has fully transitioned after they have fully transitioned, they're 19 times more likely to commit uh, suicide uh, later in life. And I think it's uh, one of those things where, you know, sometimes when we do drastic things for short-term potential, what appears as a short-term solution turns out to be have uh, long-term consequences. And we're not the first state to do this. We're one of the first states, but we're not the first state. I, I can't remember how many other states have. So anyway, we passed that out last Tuesday night and got over the house and, and they passed it out without amending. There was some kind of questions whether or not they were going to have to amend it or not, but uh, they had enough enough votes to pass out the sentence version. And then obviously the uh, governor's had her state government restructuring bill. It looks like it was passed by the Senate uh, most recently. Can you tell us, first of all, if you were in favor of that bill and if so, why? 
Well, so the reason I'm in favor for restructuring is because when you look at the 30,000-foot view of mm-hmm. Iowa compared to other states, we do have a high cost of government in the state of Iowa when it comes when you split it out per capita. Illinois obviously has a higher population than Iowa, but that's pretty shocking to most, I think, when the cost of their government is about $3,000 less per capita than Iowans. And so that's what's driving this. Uh, The other thing was during COVID when Governor Reynolds was trying to get uh, quick information and and communication among the departments. I think during that high pressure time, she noticed there was weaknesses within communication among the department heads. I'm always going to be in favor of more efficiencies and and savings for the taxpayers of the state of Iowa. Based on the 30,000 foot view, it's obvious that there's something that we can do better. With her bill, if if I remember right, it takes it from 30 if I remember right, 37 department heads down to 17 or, mm-hmm. or something like that, basically cuts it in half. There's about 500 uh, vacant government positions that money is getting allotted for that's not being used for that, so that gets uh, taken care of. There was uh, some pushback on, there was a provision in there that gave clarity on whether or not the attorney general can step in and, and take over some cases on the county level. I heard from some county attorneys about that, and and when I dug into it a little bit deeper, there's already some language within code that applies to that, but it it was just kind of vague and unclear. So that's what uh, this bill attempted to do was to make that more clear. I still had a little hesitancy on that portion of the bill uh, because of some of the pushback that I heard from county attorneys, but that wasn't enough in my mind to put up a no vote on the bill as a whole. All right. And then another thing that is very applicable to people here in Greene County, and that has to deal with an underground pipeline project from Summit Carbon Solutions about a carbon dioxide underground pipeline that would effectively take carbon dioxide from Louis-Dreyfus, located near Grand Junction within Greene County, and use an underground pipeline to store it up in North Dakota. And so comes to mind, not only here in Greene County, but obviously across the state, is the use of eminent domain. And for private companies, it's a little bit more of a squabble than it would be for a governmental entity to be able to utilize that. Now, this year, and I believe the House has already passed a bill that would establish, you know, boundaries and other limitations for companies. Can you just tell us a little bit about from your perspective, what do you expect? Do you think there should be some kind of limitations, boundaries before companies could use eminent domain? Well, the thing the thing with this topic, and I would have to say, I believe this is going to be the most sensitive topic of the year. It's going to be the most interesting politically how this evolves as session goes on. The House still has one main bill that's alive in regards to this that survived funnel week where it would have a a 90% uh, volunt- uh, threshold before eminent domain can be used in p- specifically with uh, CO2 pipelines and not anything else. So I'm grateful that there's still uh, one vehicle that's alive in the, in the Capitol. My hope is that they do pass something over so that we can continue the, the conversation in the Senate. I was disappointed that in the Senate, it appears that there there is no vehicle that's still alive for us to continue that conversation. But, but there's, still, there's still ways that, whether through leadership bills or, or something, that we can continue the conversation. But we have one of the most stringent processes leading up to that. But the thing that I think unites most people in this conversation is that two things. One, we need to give clarity on public will. And how you do that is with a threshold level. You see this within drainage law. Drainage law has been around for over 100 years. It's tried and true. There's something special about a two-thirds majority of people when they get together that there's something significant about that if they're in agreement on a project. And I think personally that's, that's common sense, potentially a common sense piece of legislation to add to Iowa code to give the Iowa Utilities Board a little more clarity. The Summit uh, pipeline is uh, already at 69% voluntary sign-up, so 
So that wouldn't affect that project or, or stop it. The other thing is, is what is a public good? That's where I think a lot of people get sensitive on this project is they don't know what the public good is. But that's where the more research that I've done on it, when you see the what this is going to do with the ethanol industry, I don't think we can uh, understate that uh, the ethanol industry will be drastically impacted by this project because of federal money. That's a whole separate argument, whether or not the federal government should be spending as much money as they are on this. But nevertheless, they made that uh, these investments, and, and so now the, the market is responding. And, and this has huge impacts to Louis-Dreyfus and and POET and, and some of these ethanol plants in our area. I've sat down with them and gotten a little more clarity on, on how this uh, impacts them. So I surely hope that by the end of session, in my conversations, I see a lot of unity when it comes to the necessity of at least having some sort of threshold level. So my hope is that the House will pass something over and uh, make sure that we do this. If not, I will I'll work as hard as I can to see if uh, leadership will drop a bill. As I said earlier, if you talk to 10 legislators, you're going to come up with 10 opinions on how to tackle this. And so my appeal to leadership would be at the end of the, at some point, get four people together or so within our caucus that are on different sides of the issue. And uh, let's hammer out uh, some common sense uh, legislation to get us out of the session. And that's our state senator, Jesse Green, joining us once again. You're listening to Let's Talk Green County, presented today by Fouch Agri-Service in downtown Grand Junction. Your channel, Seedsman. We'll be right back with more here on the Raccoon Valley Radio Network.